the Dead Format, episode 80. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined by a freezing Thomas Smiley, and we're going to talk about Legacy. Oh, it's so cold. We're saving money, but it's so cold. It's about 40 degrees Fahrenheit outside for everyone listening. But I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. I enjoy the cooler weather, but it's got to be like 62 in here right now. and I, I need like 10 more degrees. Bro, you're living the dream. I would kill for 62. We had a, a wonderful weekend, man. It was like 70 degrees this weekend. It was like uh, like spring. We had that summer's eve breeze blowing through. Yeah, Greta, Greta Thunberg would not say that it was delightful that we had a 60-degree middle of January weekend. But I guess we'll take it. We'll take it. We're going to go buy some some land in northern Maine or southern Canada and uh, and ride this thing out. Bro, it was perfect. Yo, so are we sponsored by Michael Bloomberg now? Oh, we, no, you're blowing it up, that? man. You're blowing it up. We, oh, we, sorry. We can't, we, can't, we can't let anybody know ahead of time. Okay, I apologize. I saw well, the email that you sent out. It was delightful. <laughs> yeah, I logged into the email for the first time in three months, four months, I guess. But I'd, I saw all the, all the emails that we've missed over the, uh, over the months. Yeah, so we should, um, we should start off with those emails that we, we got that you saw this week. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be, for everybody listening, this is going to be our Theros set review. Theros Beyond Death, I believe it's called, THB. This is our set review, so we're just going to really quick knock out a couple emails and get to the set review. We had uh, Bobo Fraggles ask us this first, with Watsi lowering the amount of GPs and SUG cutting opens, I was wondering your opinion on why the community isn't rallying around Eternal Weekend and Eternal Weekend Championship Trials. EW seems to be the flagship event of our format now. And the trials seem to be an event that we can use that work towards something. Do you think EW should be more to us than it is? Or should we spotlight individual events that come up like the LAL or individual 1Ks, etc.? So personally, I, I like the other events a little bit more. Maybe it was just the, the few eternal weekends that I went to sort of rubbed me the wrong way with the way the tournament went and some of the individual things that happened there. But again, I haven't been in, in two years, so I my opinions might not be valid anymore. I really like the grassroots movement that we're starting to see with people saying like, all right, I'm going to run a legacy tournament now. No, I'm going to run a legacy tournament. And I think that, that sort of small community building with people that are willing to lend decks and, and recruit people to play is the the best way to go yeah i'm on board with that with regards to the grassroots stuff and and the stuff that feels like you know it has like a personality like a local flavor to it i really like that i i'm going to be living in ohio this year so i'm really looking forward to eternal weekend and i hope that it's a big event and that you know a lot of people pay attention to it this year but you know i've only been out there i think i've been to two of them but i don't know i never it never felt like uh, quite like a GP or something like that, and maybe it maybe it's just because I haven't been to the last couple that I feel that way. But yeah. maybe you know maybe the character of it will start to change, especially if we find out we're not getting a GP this year. Maybe there will be an additional emphasis on it. Like I know they take vintage more seriously than legacy. Yeah, I think we we actually went to the same ones. We went to Columbus, and then we went to the uh, the prize change fiasco. I was at in Philly. Pittsburgh. No, I wasn't there. I was at Philly. Oh, okay. Never mind. 
so I, I was there probably 2015, 2016. You were there 2016, 2017. That sounds right. Yeah, but I, I do enjoy EW. I, I like it. I don't know what a trial means. I mean, I assume that it's like you your store calls them up and you arrange your thing to give somebody a buy. The winner gets a buy or something. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, so I mean, I, it seems I could, cool. But... I could definitely see the local tournaments that like are a little bit local, like more local, have some flavor like you were talking about. Try to sort of link up with that circuit to get people buys for EW. I'm definitely all for that. But having, I don't know, having a legacy tournament where like the the prize that people are paying 25, 30 bucks to get into is a one buy to EW. I'm just, I'm not about that. Yeah. I mean, as far as like getting the word out that EW is happening and maybe incentivize more people to go to it by giving them buys. Like I, I like that part of it, but I don't think you can have a tournament and just say like the buy is the prize or something like that. Like it's got to just be an afterthought really. Okay. So yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Bro, I got this gamer mouse. <laughs> it's so funny. There's a picture. I don't know if you know this guy. There's like a picture of of one of your boys on the on the cover. I was looking for a mouse with a, a keypad on it. Okay. So this mouse, like, if you picture it, it's called Corsair. And it's got, like, a sailing ship on it. And it's, like, a regular mouse, but the where your thumb rests, there's, like, a 1 through 10 keypad. Okay. So on the, like, on the left side of the mouse? Yeah, and on the picture, it's got, like, the sponsored professional World of Warcraft player, which I had no idea that such a thing existed, but it was cracking me up looking at it in the store. There you go. Uh, do, who who is the player? Does it uh, say? Dude, it was like it sounded like vaguely Finnish, like Bjorsson or something. Okay, no, I mean that that makes sense. Is that someone you know? No, it, absolutely not. But uh, your Europeans have a really good social uh, social safety network, so you can <laughs> get away with playing World of Warcraft for eighty hours a week. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I got this mostly to play Moto though on this tablet, like did not time out because I'm actually getting back in the game. I just bought a, I bought a hundred tickets off a friend of ours because I had a surplus of one forty three after Eldrain, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to just buy a deck again finally. Nice, very nice. Yeah. We so. um before we forget about it again because we always put like Patreon and emails sort of toward the back. We had quite a few new patrons and some people who um, who bumped up. So our super listener, Teabag Tom, is is by himself now. There's no words to describe the tier that he's at. So um, yeah, he gets to he gets to do whatever he want with you sexually. That's the new tier. <laughs> and bro, uh, he doesn't he doesn't need me. I volunteered. Me. I volunteered you for that. So he's he's currently on that tier. I just wanted to. Get he doesn't need up. me, bro. He he has cat. His uh cow just had babies. <laughs> These motherfuckers are enormous, dude. You know how much a baby cow weighs? I I do not without googling it. They how come out. The baby they come out live. Ninety-seven pounds. Ninety. Oh man. Live birth. So I don't want to hear human women complaining anymore. 97 pounds, bro. I don't think that argument works. But I'd, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to hear that. Where you're like, no, you can't complain about it. Cow babies come out at 100 pounds. Like, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, don't tell Jan and Alyssa. This is on the deal. <laughs> we have to cut that. Uh, no, we don't. We, we're, we're good with that. We, um, 
So we also had Andrew Smith, Jeffrey Hay, Bryce, and another listener that that is going to remain nameless. So yeah, our other email comes from Nick Oricella. Do you want to read this one? Uh, I can read it, but if you have it open, <laughs> you can read it. Your so one, your voice is like way more velvety and smooth than mine. Yeah, right. And two, I am so disappointed that nobody emailed us about Facebook. Nobody was, or sorry, not Facebook, YouTube. That nobody was like, oh man, oh yeah, you're right. YouTube videos. We got nothing. You put the hook out. No, well, no bites. Well, no bro, bites. honestly, first of all, yes, you're right. Nobody contacted me about that at all. And I forgot about it. But I do want to do one for the set review. So I, I still do want to do it. But second of all, it's like occurred to me over the past week that I don't think like boomers know how to use YouTube really. Like if I send somebody a YouTube link, like and I don't, I'm using boomers colloquially. I mean like people my own age, like like our buddy Ryan Lesko, like I send him a YouTube link and like if I send him an article, he reads it. If I send him a podcast, he listens to it. But if you send him like a 10 minute YouTube link, he's like, oh man, I'll try to find some time over the weekend to watch this. Like, dude, you don't have to watch this. Just listen to it while you're driving. Like you don't need to be looking at the video to hear it. Okay. That's my tangent about YouTube videos. Like if somebody sends you a YouTube video, you don't need to watch it. You just listen to it. I mean, you can do that with certain YouTube videos, but most of them you would you would like to listen to. Like, okay, I have one more listener email that I got that ruined, that kind of like ruined my life, but then made it way better. So maybe a month or so ago, I was talking about how I don't really get to watch TV anymore because my kid took it over. And there's this like kid's YouTube personality uh, named Blippi. He's like the second most... Uh, most profitable YouTuber next to the the other little kid that does toy reviews. And apparently, this TV, this YouTube kid's personality, like, had a Harlem Shake video that they put out, uh, which, I I don't, uh, this is just so gross. There was like a gross-out comedy video where... He shits all over his friend. And this video is on the internet. So this, um, this, I don't want to call him Mr. Rogers because he's not close to Mr. Rogers. But this, like, this Blue's Clues personality wannabe has a, has an active video of him diarrhea, diarrheaing all over his friend on the internet. So I thought, I thought that was great. I got that, I got sent that by, uh, by a listener this week. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about this, bro. This okay. is a different side of YouTube than what I'm on. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're into that Shizer porn thing, I guess, check it out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just, I had to, I had to talk about this because okay. it simultaneously, like, it at the same time ruined me from watching Blippi, but I already didn't like Blippi anyway. So then maybe, maybe this, like, humanizes him a little bit to me, so... He's just a guy trying to make an insane amount of money from YouTube and pooping on people didn't work. So let's make children's videos because kids compulsively rewatch things that they've seen a million times. It's he's not great... the he's not the fat guy who flips the table, is it? Like Blippy two eight nine nine or something? So he is he is not that guy. I think okay. what's that guy's name? It's I know Blippy, I think. I don't think it's Blippy. I think it's Francis. 
Okay. I don't, I don't think it's Francis, but... I'm pretty sure it's Francis. Listeners, check in. All right. So okay. my name is Nick Oricella, and I'm an active legacy player in Denver, Colorado. I just wanted to drop a line to promote an upcoming tournament in my area. If you are available to mention it in an upcoming podcast, that would be awesome. I probably shouldn't have read that part. So Saturday, February 1st, the same day as leaving a legacy... We've got Wizards Chest in Denver, Colorado. $25 entry, 64-player cap, so you better sign up soon. And 50% of the entry fees going to a prize pool that I imagine is cash if, if it's done on a percentage basis like this. So yeah, Denver, Colorado. I know you motherfuckers got disposable income. I know you got legacy cards. I've been out in Denver, and I couldn't find a good card shop, but that was a while ago. So I guess Wizards... Uh, Wizard's Chest is holding it down now, and hit it up. Awesome. We we also got a request to. Um... Oh, thank you though. For, real quick, thank you to oh. Nick Oricella, because this this is awesome. And we did request this, like people to to tell us about local shit, because we like to do this. Yeah, we also had a request in our Discord from uh, Hackbert to talk about what they're doing in Arizona. Oh fuck Arizona. Okay. No, so fuck, no. fuck, fuck Arizona. And um, honestly, this is like this is bad and totally unprofessional. But somebody else told me about another tournament too, and I can't remember anymore. And I don't have it written down anywhere, <laughs> so I I can't I can't tell you. But there's there's something else that's happening too that I that uh, unfortunately I I can't tell everybody about because I'm I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> all right well the leaving a legacy is definitely february 1st the yep. wizards wizard chess in denver is definitely february 1st and we'll we'll get up with hackbert and figure out what's going on there all right yeah we got asked to do a deep dive before the leaving a legacy event and i'm pumped about that oh yeah so the next segment of our podcast well the next mini segment was gonna be me bitching about how every fucking monday night there's a sporting event that i don't want to miss and i'm missing it the college football playoff right now Clemson has a fucking battle with LSU right now. Do you feel like in the last 18 months there's been an absurd amount of important sporting events on Monday nights? Uh, well, it's almost like they, they do that on purpose because Monday nights are a night that a lot of people watch TV. Yeah, I'm not like a marketing fuck, expert, but... I don't know. Between Stanley Cup, like World Series, it feels like every fucking event has been on Monday nights. But anyway, uh, our next serious segment was going to be the BNR because today Oko, Opal, and Lattice all got banned in Modern and we're going to talk about the implications thereof like the the reasons that they gave for banning the cards were very interesting I think and the implications that those could have for Legacy you know not just for those specific cards but, but for like the, the, the other the cards the reason why and exactly. their rationale yeah, yeah. so and I saw Oh wait, you you keep going. I was gonna say I just I think it's a great conversation, but I think we're gonna have to shelf it because the set review is so long. But next week we have an amazing guest who really wants to talk about this as well, and that's gonna be I think uh, our show next week. If you're cool with that, so that's outstanding. I just wanted to say that like, you know how we dumped on Watsi for like not using data, and or like. I don't know, having hamsters push out their deck lists. Yeah. yeah. In the BNR announcement, uh, Ian Duke, like, specifically cited 
the the deck's win percentage versus the top 10 decks in the meta and it was like it was it was the data that they should have been looking at nice. so rip rip affinity and anybody who was like playing modern kind of casually that just had that deck built for a long time but um but i can't wait to talk about that next week all right so back to reality uh set review so i was talking to in the main chat with our boys adam and topher i threw out a question mostly to adam about cards that we might have missed for our set review you know just like a last second feeler message mm-hmm. and topher came back with the feedback of stop doing so many cards people just want to hear about the good cards and I didn't listen to his advice, but I did think about it and like what people want to hear. And I think that he's partly right. I think that people do want to hear about the top cards, what we think of the, the very top echelon of cards, and then also the lowest echelon of cards where we have the craziest ideas. But the middle tier, I don't think people care about so much. Like, for example, there's a card in here that's like a blue, blue potential finisher for Oops and, and Belcher. You know, which card, or, uh, uh, sorry, Oops and Breakfast. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, you know, th- those like sort of one-ofs in a certain archetype that clearly fit the bill. I don't think people really want to hear about those so much, right? Well, those, when you see them, that's like the double blue one three that when it enters the battlefield, yes, yeah. you get to, to do some shenanigans with devotion. Yeah, like the cards that are sort of clear, when you see them like oh this goes here this goes here oh this is a situational sideboard choice like they're boring and i understand yes. why we're talking about them right because you want to like let your listeners know like hey everybody i know where this card goes but everybody on the internet already knows where it goes so we don't need to have an in-depth discussion about it i guess that's the logic yeah bro i think it would be really good if we just blew through those really quickly okay and spent more time talking about the more interesting cards, you know? Yes. Like uh, Splinter Twin. Yeah. I brought Splinter Twins online, bro. Oh, oh, you're not going to build that blue-white-red Splinter Twin deck and play it online, are you? No, nah, I'm going to play Rug. <laughs> I bought Okos today. Are you going to play Hierarch and Splinter Twin? I bought Twin? 10 ticket Okos today. Yes, I am. Oh, so, oh. are you being serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I just bought the cards today. Oh. So, Tier 1. These are the cards that I believe... So, uh, shout out, first of all, uh, Pete Vanderham did, like, this Twitter thread spoiler thing with, like, 14 images of cards that he was reviewing for Legacy for the new set. Awesome, very helpful, like, to see which cards people were sort of most keyed in on. So, great job. Thanks for that. And, yeah... Uh, the, these first group of cards, I think there's seven or eight of them, are what I consider like the tier one considerations from this set. Okay. You want to take the first card, man? No, let's let's have you lead this. All right. I'm going to lead with one more, <laughs> one more pre-review thought. Uh, we, we also have like a backlog of playable cards right now for I think the first time that I can recall where there's cards from previous sets that I feel like haven't been fully explored. So part of this you know, which cards are going to see play, I feel like has to do with which cards people want to play more than people trying to break a certain metagame, really, because there's sort of uncertainty regarding bans right now. And there's people just wanting to do fun stuff. And there's still a lot of fun cards in the the past, like the 
the past nine months that people haven't even explored yet. So mm-hmm. a lot of that is going to be weighted into these numbers. But Underworld Breach, one R, uh, sorry, one in a red is an enchantment. At the end of the turn, you sacrifice it. And everything in your graveyard gains escape for its mana cost plus exiling three cards from your graveyard. Yeah. So potentially you can see this card doing an insane amount of things with brain freeze and filling a similar role to past in flames only allowing your lion's eye diamonds and lotus petals to sort of have flashback which is friggin bonkers but the i guess the consensus is still out on whether or not it's going to be good enough for the storm decks to switch because one of the, I guess one of the strengths of Ant and Tess uh, is their ability to disrupt and sort of play like a, like a slightly longer game. And as soon as you start to add engine effects like Brain Freeze, where you want to like mini storm and Brain Freeze yourself, then you're sort of morphing that mid-range combo deck that has the potential to kill people early in Ant. And, like, the test deck that's looking for, like, a discard and then to make a bunch of goblins into a different deck. And obviously I'm not an expert to talk about uh, TES, but I think that's the that's those are the thoughts that I have about that card. Agreed. This is the card that I've spoken the least about in, like, group chats and stuff when people are talking about it, because this is the card we have the most potential, I think, to get absolutely blown out, right? And I think we saw that kind of with Echo of Eons recently where my initial read, like reading the card and thinking for 30 seconds, is like, this card's going to get banned someday. But obviously that hasn't panned out, you know, at least as Legacy's currently configured, it doesn't seem to be a problem, and it seems to be playable. You know, people are fucking around with it, but it doesn't seem problematic. And this card, I think that's one end of the spectrum for this card, is that it's playable but not problematic, and decks like Ruby Storm and that aforementioned Brain Freeze sort of, sort of like a belcher test derivative deck right like somewhere in between there yeah where you're looking to like mini storm and then brain freeze yourself and then it unlocks everything like even even kind of like an oops thing where you you mill your whole deck and you you have the win there yeah i mean even just off like a couple faithless lootings and whatever if you have if you get this card in play with like 10 cards in your graveyard and led you have you know 10 storm and and 10 mana to fuck with you know like you can do crazy things with this card obviously so i think it's going to have an all-in combo deck at least one i think it'll have a home in the question that i really don't know the answer to is whether or not this card can be played in more fair decks you know you mean sort of like the the yog will in vintage like yes. rage control pretty much exactly that way yeah where like late in the game when you got, you know, six lands in play and twenty cards in your graveyard, you could just fucking basically just have a full grip by casting this card, by resolving this card, I should say. Yeah, I think that I, I haven't thought too much about it. But if you if you think about those like fair blue stew matchups, if we're gonna be living in a in a world that is like four color control against four color control, this is a pretty huge trump to play in the mid to late game just to absolutely bury your opponent. Yeah, and there are some real advantages to this card. Like, I know we're not seeing as much Fluster Storm as we used to, but 
you know, because it's an enchantment, not being able to fluster it, not interacting with Veil vale of Summer, on, you know, on, on the first go. Mm-hmm. Although I guess they can still get you, so never mind. But I think uh, I think this card does have some big trunk potential. And so the other end of the spectrum from it, you know, being uh, niche playable is that it's a ban-worthy card. And I think that that's totally on the table for this too. And I really can't read where it's going to wind up. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you you have to give Wizards of the Coast a little bit of credit that there have been cards that have looked similar to this to us. Like, you brought up Echo of Eons. Yep. Where we were like, wow, this just this has the potential to just get banned. It, it could be that good. And that potential, the sort of scariness and uneasiness about how good this card is, somebody had to have thought about its implications in this format. I know they don't specifically test for it. I know they don't sit down and jam games, but like their R&D team has quite a few people who are familiar with the format. And I, uh, I don't see a card that has this much raw potential to be broken, not make it out of there unless it was okay. Right? Like Oko was a mistake. Running six was a mistake. I don't think they understood the power of those sort of planeswalker cards. But this is, even though it's an enchantment, this is a this kind of is just a, a sorcery, right? And you would think that they'd have enough experience to make sure that that would be okay. Yeah, I don't know, man, because there's like treasure crews, right? And one thing that the treasure crews got me to think about back, you know, when I was sort of starting in Legacy, or you know, not not as much of a veteran as I am now is that they're designing cards for standard, right? And, like, Treasure Cruise wasn't a broken card in standard or Dig Through Time. You know, there were good cards, but not broken. And you see that now in Pioneer, too. I mean, they banned the Fetchlands. That helps. But, like, if they're just designing an interesting standard card and not really thinking about Legacy and just saying, oh, if this is broken Legacy, we can ban it, like, maybe they just don't even care, you know? Okay, yeah, I could be absolutely wrong, and they don't look at it and don't care. I think but, there is a chance that it misses and it's really super powerful. But so for the official word on this, I'm going to say over the next 12 weeks or whatever, till the next set comes out, we're going to see four of these in the top eight of legacy challenges. Would you take the over or under? I am going to take, you're talking about after it comes out, we're taking a look at a month. Yeah. I no, 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 Until the I, next I think, set comes out. Oh, until the next set comes out. I'm taking I'm taking the over on that, and I'm doing it because I think that people want to play around with this card a lot. And cool. I know that people are like, oh, it's a challenge. They'd screw around with leagues with it. But I think that this is a card that, since it does have the potential to be broken, a lot of people will be working on shells with it, and we're going to see more than four copies for sure. Sorry, it's not copies, it's decks that play it. Oh, that's, okay. that's my fault if I misspoke. Uh, I'm going to take the under then. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool, man. So, yeah, the next card Ox of Agonis. This is three red, red for a four, two. And it's a Bedlam Reveler, like same text. When it comes into play, you discard your hand, draw three. And it has escape for red, red, and eight cards from your graveyard exiled. 
And when it escapes, it comes in with a plus one, plus one counter. So it's a five, three when it escapes, mm-hmm. but you know, it enters. So you discard your hand and draw three cards. So where, where? So we're seeing Bedlam Reveler C play now in, in blue red or Grixis Delver, right? Sort of in the, in the Gurmag Angler spot, but for Grixis, like yep. it's, it's a, it's a nice late game card and like a, in a resource battle. Yeah, it's a, it's a way to refuel. But I think that the big thing about that card seeing play is the cost reduction, right? Yes. And, I mean, this is... It, it escapes, but it doesn't it doesn't do that on the front side. Right, so that's not the spot for this card. I think the spot for this card is more like the like the Hogak deck, I guess, that, that we see now. Or So first of all, there's Dredge, which I can't really speak to. You know, you play an LED and discard your hand and escape this thing, you know, after dredging once or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets now you play. have three draws that, you know, three draws. Yeah, it, it plays, I guess, similar to Phantasmagorian. But wouldn't you just want to, like, play Phantasmagorian? Well, this is for LED dredge, so. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it would yeah, be yeah, a little yeah. different. I, th- I think that this could play in dredge. I'm not really sure about that. But like a, a Hogak deck, like a deck where you have this huge graveyard coming out, I think that this, you know, draw three cards aspect of this card makes it incredibly attractive. And the body's no joke, you know, 5-3, and then, you know, you can escape it however many times you want. It's not like it gets exiled afterwards. So I could definitely see this card being a consideration. I'm, I'm only willing to go with uh, one deck in the top eight of challenges playing it over the next uh next 12 weeks or whatever but yeah i'm i'm taking the zero i'm taking okay. the hard zero and i am 100 willing to be wrong about it but i don't i think while it does things that are similar to cards that are already played i don't i don't think it's costed i maybe i'm just not seeing it but i don't i don't think that it's going to see play yeah the other thing is it's like an etb so Potentially, like even like a sneak attack sort of situation. I was thinking oh, I'm, about. I'm taking the taking the absolute zero on the sneaking this guy into play. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see that, but it does. It does uh, work with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think it's powerful enough that people are gonna fuck with it. But the next card has been pretty contentious, I would say. Cling to dust. It's a single black instant. Uh, exile a card from a graveyard. If it's a creature card, you gain three life. If it's a non-creature card, you draw a card. And for three black and five cards, you can escape it. Yeah. I mean, like... It... I I don't, I don't know. Do you not I, like this card? No, I... I don't. I know people are like, oh, you can play main deck graveyard hate, but like, it has cycling, where sometimes it matters, and that that escape, like maybe in a really grindy deck where it matters, you might be able to go up a card, but like, legacy decks, spell density of quality cards is so high, that playing a card like this in your main deck just seems really bad, and maybe it can see sideboard play as a counter to like snapcaster value decks where you board it in against snapcaster decks and you get to like you get to do this in response to their 
Snapcaster Mage to exile the card and then flash exactly. it back later. But the things that I've been seeing people say on Twitter don't match up with my opinion on this card. I definitely think that it could be a sideboard consideration if Snapcaster decks end up becoming a huge portion of the meta, but that's it. Yeah, I think that it would be nice in that role of, you know, the Snapcaster Mirror, This having this card available would be nice. Also, it's sort of like a soft graveyard hate. Like, you can put this in your deck for mid-range value sort of reasons and then, excuse me, <clears throat> get the benefit of, like, against Hogak decks. Like, you bring this card in for sure, you know? Like, you know, hitting uh, Blood Gasts or you know, Hogax or whatever it is you, that you can hit in their graveyard when you can and get just get some value out of it that way. Like it's a potentially a two for one when you're casting it that way to draw a card and also take care of a threat, right? Yeah, but I think that you want like, you want actual hard graveyard hate for... Oh yeah, it's not taking a spot of hard graveyard hate. It's just like sort of combining the mid-range card with something that also have, helps a little against graveyard, I guess. Yeah, I think that like if we had twenty card sideboards, then then sure you have room for that. But once you once you actually take like start to take a look at what your sideboard construction looks like, I mean, I I I'm not sure about this card. Yeah, I think that the big thing about this card is I I don't see it playing in any Delver deck really, because your graveyard is too important to ever escape this card, right? Like you have. Bedlam Reveler or Gurmag Angler, you know, or like Tarmogoyf if you're still playing. Right, Tarmogoyf. exactly, yeah. exactly. So your graveyard is your food, right? So like you're not going to be escaping it, and it's just not there on rate if you're just using it once situationally, you know, like for holding it for a Snapcaster or whatever. That's not the game Delver's trying to play. No. So I think that it's only in like a pile sort of deck, as, right? And as I, a one of. Yeah, and I think that you only really want to play that if the pile like the pile mirrors end up being a really big portion of the field because i I mean it's it's fine against graveyard decks it's not what you want and it's not very good against anything else so so you're gonna take zero on this card i'm uh okay so if i was gonna set the over under if i was gonna set it i'd set one deck sorry I'd set it at one deck in the sideboard, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were two that played it. So, <laughs> so one point five. Yeah, one point five. I think that's 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 good. All right. I so forgot what, we can do point fives. So we can. I mean, if I'm just gonna take the over on that, it doesn't matter if you take one or one point five. But I'm gonna take. Two but if point. you're gonna take the under, it matters, right? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, I'm gonna take two point five. Uh as as the over so if it's two we split basically okay i'm okay with that and it's not because i think the card is good or whatever i just think people really want to try it and there's another card that i haven't seen anybody talk about but because we're talking about cling to dust i felt like we should talk about it glimpse of freedom it's one in a blue instant draw card and it escapes for two in a blue plus five cards from your graveyard and you know we've seen uh ancestral knowledge is that yeah ak yep. see play in miracles as like a draw engine where you fire it off draw one fire off draw two could this potentially be 
an engine like that? I mean, it's probably better than Think Twice, but I think it's a very similar power level. I don't think we're going to see this, but... I don't think so either, but the way that people were talking about the other card and, like, the late game implications, I just felt like you couldn't really talk about the black one without talking about the blue one. Yeah, I think... I think the front side's too mana inefficient. And I think that if you're in blue, if you're if you're at a point where you can escape, there are way better options to pull you ahead card wise. Yeah. And like I mean this is it's two mana to stay even in a format that is like spending spending two mana to to spend a card and draw a card, just like ah, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. So, so I think I think a hard no on the blue one. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Also, I I just wanted to clear up before when I said you could get a two for one by getting a blood gas out of the graveyard. I forgot you, you gain you gain three life rather than draw a card if you had a creature. So, okay, you're up a card against burn. Yeah. So soul guide lantern. We've seen a lot of people gushing about this one. One mana artifact, enter the battlefield, exile a card from a graveyard, sack it to, to crypt an opponent, and you can pay one and tap it to sack and draw a card. So I like this. Really? Okay. So I think that uh, it sort of plays a similar role to the black card we were talking about. I think this is like a better um, uh, black spell bomb. Really? See, I, I felt like this would only see play in non-black decks because Spellbomb was better. So, okay. Because the card advantage from getting the effect and the card draw trumps... I guess you're probably right. Maybe it's not as good as I thought. I, the, when I saw this card, I compared it to Spellbomb, and I was thinking that it is more flexible, but it's probably just not. I think it's the same amount of flexible, but you can still exile their graveyard and draw a card with Spellbomb, right? And you can't do yeah. that. You have to pick with this one. Yep. So I think I like Spellbomb better because you can still crypt if you need to and not draw a card with Spellbomb, but you can also save it, you know? So yep. it has it has more application in like mid-range games. You're right. And I think that in the, in the other colors, there's just going to be better graveyard hate. So I take that back. I don't like this card. Yeah, I'm not big on this card either. So... I, I would probably go zero on this one. If you want to go long, you're welcome to. Nope, I would also go zero. The other thing, like with Crypt, there or with Relic, rather, uh, people were saying, like, this might be better than Relic because it doesn't hit your graveyard. And, like, yeah, it doesn't hit your graveyard, but you don't get a card back either. So mm-hmm. there are some decks, I guess, non-black decks, where this might be a little better than Relic. So there is a, a spot for it. It's just narrow. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's also some, like, counterplay to relic where you can use it on yourself like we talked about that right that, yeah you know what i'm Fugin, saying like you can do Fugriffin. yeah you can do some things with that yeah yeah no that's absolutely true all right so we'll skip that one shadow spear is a one mana equipment you it equips for two it gives trample and lifelink to a creature and you can pay one it doesn't have to be equipped or anything it doesn't give this ability to a creature it just has this ability pay one and permanence your opponent's control lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, I saw I saw this, and the first thought that I had in my mind was, oh, my modern Bogle deck, but nobody's gonna play this. I, I don't <laughs> think it's 
I don't think it's remotely close. Yeah, maybe in modern. I don't know. I mean, Stoneforge is legal, but in Legacy... Yeah, but I, I still don't... I don't think it's... I, I, I don't know if this is good enough in any of the formats. Maybe, yeah. sta- maybe standard, but definitely not the Eternal ones. Yeah, we're, we're not really going to talk about whether... Yeah, I don't know shit about modern, but I think that the cards that you're worried about in Legacy, this combination of abilities, Hexproof and Indestructible, are surprisingly not relevant. Like, cards like True Name... Mother of Runes, Nimble Mongoose, Emrakul, like they're all ducking this because they don't have like hexproof explicitly, right? They have like protection, protection. from some. Right now, if this, I mean, le- okay, let's say that this is hypothetical. We change this card, and instead of saying hexproof, it says removes protection from. Right. Does yeah. it even see play then? I think it would see like Manriki level of play. Okay. Okay, I could see that, as as something coming out of a sideboard to be able to tutor for with Stoneforge, but like, right, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think this card is close. Yeah. I'm I don't think so. Zero. So yeah, zero. Cool. Uh, this one, I, I totally would have missed, but, uh, Pete Vanderham had it in his spoiler. Mogus's favor. It's a single black for an enchantment creature gets, it's an aura target creature gets plus two minus one and it escapes for two black and uh, two cards from a graveyard and he compared it to dark blast and you know th- the problem with dark blast is it costs you your draw step when you're playing it like you see a lot of playing bug delver for instance mm-hmm. this card wouldn't cost you your draw step you know it would cost you some of your graveyard but only two cards <laughs> to escape it so it's really not that bad and it is like if you're playing a tarmogwife deck it does suck that you're exiling cards from your graveyard but it's an enchantment so it's actually a creature a card type that you're not used to having in your graveyard so similar to how sometimes you'd see them play like a dead weight or, or a bitter blossom or something, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice in that regard. So, I I would I'll give this card a one. So I I don't think it's going to see play. I, I think it's good enough too. All right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that having the escape cost be two is actually like aggressively costed, and it's probably uh, it's probably fine rate wise. But Black already has access to Plague Engineer. And if you're going for like a two-for-one for for one-toughness creatures, I think Black decks are more likely to lean in that direction. So I I absolutely think the card is playable, but I would go with the zero. Yeah. All right. That's fair. And you could probably be right. I'm kind of going out on a limb with this one. It's got that other, like, hidden mode of if if a clock lines up right, you can put on your own creature for an extra two damage to present lethal. Yep, okay, so you're it, right about that. Four, I think it's a, a fun... 4-1, 5-1 Flying Delver. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a fun little card in that way, so I'm interested in trying it, uh, but I'm not, not sold on it by any means. Okay. So into Tier 2, we're not going to pick numbers for these. These are the archetype-specific cards that I mentioned. Thassa's Oracle, blue-blue for a 1-3. Enters Battlefield, look at the top X, where X is your devotion to blue, so a minimum of 2 because of the card itself. Well, you can get killed with the trigger yeah, on the stack, so it could be zero. Yeah, you're right. This is true. Uh, put one on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in a random order, and if X is greater than equal, greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. Yeah, basic, yeah basically when it enters, if your devotion is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, then, then good for you. You did yeah. it. So these decks like, like uh, Oops or... Um, or breakfast, breakfast where you flip over your deck 
Yep. You just win by putting this card into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is Heliod, which is a god. It's two and a white for a 5-5. Five five. Uh, it's indestructible. It's only an enchantment unless your devotion is five, though. So whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, and you can pay one and a white to give something lifelink. So people have brought this up because it can be like a fifth Oriok Salvagers, like an alternate Salvagers that's not uh, being hit by a creature removal. Yep, and it allows you to function without the graveyard too. Exactly, yeah, and Bomberman. So this, you know, it fills that role. Uh, we, I don't think we need to pick numbers on this. Like, we, we see the spot for it. Unless there's another spot you think of, like if you think this card is good enough to play somewhere else. No, I the, I mean, the first thing that I thought about when I saw this card wasn't even Bomberman. It was, like, how you can uh, say that Twin in Modern leads to whatever it does when you have a two-card combo that almost does the same thing in Heliod and... Uh, fuck. Walking Ballista? Yeah, and Walking Ballista. So, like, you're, you're providing very similar lines of play to end the game in the exact same way for the same mana cost that uh yeah that the other one is too strong i just i don't know i i'm all about unbanning splinter twin oh yeah me too man i think they should have done it today but i think that there's another uh i think that the sahili felidar combo is legal in modern right uh it is yeah so, I mean, there's already that, too. It, it seems silly to have the card banned, but whatever. I think that uh, I think this card, you know, will, will show up in, in that specific combo deck, and I don't really see it playing anywhere else, but I think you're right with regard to modern. So, tier three... Do, is... you, do you ever think that, like... No, this is too crazy. What? That you could play this in, like, a Death and Taxes shell to have, like, a like an auto-win condition with a tutor package with... with uh with recruiter i know you can't I was, get this with recruiter but you can get walking ballista i was like hoping that you were gonna say that actually that's why i sort of gave you that that entryway yeah like i don't i don't think it's gonna happen but that's another thing that i thought about when i saw this card and like i'm i'm usually very not on board with crazy ideas and i understand that's a crazy idea it is absolutely a crazy idea but maybe there was like some sort of tax-based white weenie deck that had infinite combos built into it. Let's get nuts. Yeah, man, I, I really don't hate that, you know? I think that the biggest obstacle there would be if um, if you couldn't get your devotion to stay under five and this would always come into play as a creature and get plowed. Yeah. But I do I do know what you're saying, and especially, you know, if you're playing Recruit of the Guard, you can get Ballista, and if if you were playing Enlightened Tutor, not that I'm suggesting that, you should, that this is worth it, but there are ways to tutor this too, is basically what I'm trying to say. So I, I don't hate that, and it wouldn't shock me if it showed up. It would be cool, I think, but I'm not predicting it. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't really fit into like uh, the blue-white helm decks because right. they're trying... Like, you have the Enlightened Tutor package, but you're going with a completely different game plan. Yeah. And it's not like a, a total waste of space because Ballista is just a good card. You know, it's proven time and again that it's mm-hmm. it's just a good card. So, like, the Ballistas aren't wasting space, but the, the Heliod is. So, <sighs> Next up, 
the Zenith tier, I'm calling this, because it's cards that we wouldn't be discussing except for the fact that Green Sun Zenith exists. And the first card... The Snowman tier. Yeah, Snowman's perfect. The first card is kind of contentious to put on here, but uh, to put in the Zenith tier. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. It's one in, one in a blue and a green, so Oko mana cost for a 6-6. Six, six. But if you didn't escape it, it gets sacrificed when it's brought into play. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain three life and growth spiral. So you draw a card and potentially put a land into play from your hand. And it escapes for blue, blue, green, green, and five cards. Yeah, so... Uh... I like this card. I don't think I like it for Legacy. I think in a format that has, I don't know, one, the the escape cost, the double blue, double green, that's rough for a lot of decks. And Yeah, yeah that's the problem with like a, something like a post or something playing it, right? Right. And the, the basic idea that like you're paying three mana for a growth spiral at sorcery speed, the, the front side doesn't interest me. And I think that a lot of the decks that could like try to take advantage of this out of the graveyard can't support the mana cost, and it's probably not uh, not a card that I would I would think would see play. Now there might be some like like Bant beatdown deck that can use this as a value creature and then bring it back late game, but like I think all those decks want to be doing is is playing true names and other three drops. Yeah. So you take a look at a card like Knight of the Reliquary, and I'd much rather be running that than this. So hundred percent, yeah. If this had Flash, totally different story. But oh yeah, if this had Flash, like we would have talked about it already. Right. Being exactly. able to hold up mana or like hold up this or Brazen Borrower or Click, and then just gr- like Gross Spiral on your end step, untap, and be able to play Oko with Veil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. why are we talking about creatures anyway? They're just all elks. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm on zero for this. I imagine you are, too. I, I Yes, I am. Clothis, God of Destiny, is the other multicolor god thing. It's one green-red for a 4-5 that needs seven devotion to be a, a creature. It's indestructible, as all gods are. And each turn, exile a card from a graveyard. If it's a land, you add one mana of green or red to your mana pool. This is the beginning of your pre-combat main phase. Otherwise, if it's a non, non-land non card, you drain two. Yeah, Deathrite Shaman, reprinted. <laughs> Obviously going to see play. This is ban-worthy. I, I mean, no, this, this, card's, this card's not good. So as a Zenith target... I don't think it's so good. I don't think it's good either. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. I'm with you. All right, next card. <laughs> Perfect. You're right, it is green. You can you can green sun zenith. Yeah. Dryad of something grove. It's two and a green for a 2-4, so it has a 2-4 bot. It's decent mm-hmm. rate, right? Enchantment creature, and it's a combination of exploration and chromatic lantern. So you can play an extra land each turn, and your lands have all basic land types, so they can tap for whatever color. I okay. I think that if you're playing a Zenith Shell, then playing the other two four double green butt 
the Corsair of Crufix? Yeah, I think that Corsair of Crufix probably does a better job than this. If you want that effect. So Corsair doesn't let you put extra lands in, though. It just lets you... But it lets you play them off the top? Yes, yeah. So, like, I, I, the, the playing an extra land each turn, I don't really think of as, like, the reason why you would want to play this card, right? Because if you're zenithing it out for four... Then I guess maybe you get to play like double wasteland. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I actually like this card for a couple of reasons. There's Ramanop Excavator, which you can turn into just like machine gun with this, right? Like playing lands out of your graveyard, like waste you, waste you, right? Yep. So there's that angle in like a Maverick deck. And then there's like potentially a zenith post build angle where you're you're like a, a twenty eight land deck and just want to mm. just want to ramp up to hard casting logs or whatever. Those two were the first thoughts that came to my mind. Also, enchantress because it's an enchantment creature to begin with, and that deck. Not that they need the chromatic lantern, but exploration. Could could potentially be relevant with that deck. I don't know. I'm not as sold on it for enchantress reasons, but I, I do I do like this card for Maverick and potentially like some sort of green zenith post build. Yeah, so I think of I think including it as a one of with excavator in Maverick. Just I don't know. That's too many. I don't want to say do nothings, but too many situational cards. Yeah. Um, no, it is definitely definitely does less on its own than Corsair or or Excavator. I'll give yep. you that for sure. And on, obviously Knight. On the sort of post take, there there's a reason why post doesn't play cards like Explore, right? So I, I don't know. True, true. So maybe maybe you can try to build some like like post Primeval Titan Zenith deck where the Zenith could get like a one of this, and maybe you're using it just as extra copies of Titan. But I don't, I don't think that that's good enough in a format like like we have. I, I don't think it's good enough in Legacy to be running cards like that to put a Primeval Titan in play. And I know there's a bunch of people like who who are trying to play Scapeshift decks that are like, oh, you're wrong, like Nick Fit Scapeshift Titan. But I don't there's, think I'm wrong. There's one, <laughs> there's one other thing with the post deck that I like about this card, and we've talked about this recently. With regard to Golos, right? And we, we've seen those decks incorporating Golos, even up to four Golos lately. It would and, give you an activation. Yeah, and you not have to play Cascading Cataracts in your deck. So yeah, like, it's so, almost like a one-for-one one swap there. And if you put that in your deck, we won't have to look at it for five minutes trying to figure out how you can activate Golos. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, bro. We don't think you can, but one of our listeners is going to tell us how you can. So Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to call one on this card. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go under because I don't think the decks that would play it are very good right now. See, I actually think post is kind of good right now, but I, I don't think that, you know, people really, I don't think many people like to play it, but Rich has been fucking crushing with a, a much more streamlined version than anything we're talking about, but. Yeah, I meant more of like the the green white. The oh green, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like those those type of decks. I don't think Post wants to incorporate this, but gotcha. I'm I'm open to be wrong. All right. So the next is sort of a two furthers. 
Destiny Spinner, which is one and a green for a 2-3 enchantment creature. Creatures and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. And pay 3 and a green, target land becomes XX, where X is how many enchantments you control until end of turn. Okay. I mean, this is another one of those cards where you're like, it goes into Enchantress, right? It, yeah. And then Satessan Champion is 2 and a green for a 1-3, and it has Constellation, which is whenever enchantment comes into play draw a card and put a plus one plus one counter on it so it's just like a, a ninth copy of enchantress if you want it which yeah is but doesn't bad, have any protection copy. i know that right. it can like get pumped and all of that so the first card i think that it would be fine in enchantress i think the second one i don't know i think maybe maybe a one of and you can see how it is but i'm i'm not sold on it being good and i would i would definitely take the zero on both because I think that if you take a look at what Enchantress is trying to do, and even though in the last Leaving a Legacy tournament I got raffle stomped by it, <laughs> I don't think it's where where we want to be for for Legacy right now. Bro, we gotta thank Caleb. We gotta get Caleb something because we got plenty of mileage out of that one. But twice I've played Enchantress fucking back to back <laughs> with Burn. You know how how much bad it sucks to be sitting on camera with your opponent fucking not being able to target them or attack them and know that you have no outs in your deck but <laughs> just want to stay on camera it's a bad feeling so you know that shrine that they used to play it's like three white white it makes angels uh i thought it was yeah um uh throne yeah, i know so, what you're talking about yeah, yeah it makes a four four angel anytime you play an enchantment yeah. throne of the empty sigil Thank you. Or yes, that's, that's what it a is. Sigil of the Empty Throne, something like that. Something like that, yep. Yeah. So this card, I, I think, sort of can combine that role. Like, you don't need to play, like, a card like that. And I know that that card is sort of falling out of fashion, but basically, like, you, you would have to play, like, some sort of alternate wing con in that deck, right, in case your Emrakul angle didn't go right. So this card, with the ability to animate lands in the super late game into gigantic creatures... I think that that combined with the fact that, you know, it's a green sun target, it's a decent rate, 2-3 for a 1 and a green, and it gives creatures and shaman spells you control uh, can't be countered. I think that this first card will definitely see play an Enchantress, but I don't anticipate an Enchantress deck making top 8 of a challenge, so I'm going to go with 0. Okay, yeah, I agree with you on that. All right. So, yeah, and you're kind of right. That should have probably been in that other tier of archetype-specific cards. The next tier, with only one card in it, I didn't really finish this, Thirst for Meaning, which is Thirst for Knowledge but for Enchantments. Literally the exact same card. Okay, so I like this card. I don't think that Legacy is going to be the place for it. I Maybe, maybe the uh, Enlightened Tutor rest in peace energy field deck needs some sort of card advantage boost to get rid of i don't know an extra copy of humility or rest in peace or energy field but i i know that you were pretty high on that sort of deck i don't know if this is what it's going to take to get that deck over yeah i was really high on that deck specifically in the red meta and i i felt like putting this card on here because i've sleeved up thirst for knowledge twice in 2019 so right the week after niagara there was a eld that i went to 
where I played Stoneblade, but with a few more uh, artifacts than usual and mm-hmm. a one of Thirst for Knowledge. And it was good. You know, it was fine. And how, then, how did that tournament go for you? Uh, I, I drew <laughs> with Pat to draw into top eight. And oh, okay. Yeah. I, yep. I, I remember the story. Yeah. Actually, uh, our listeners might not, but okay. You, you could have drawn in the top eight. Yeah. So, you're right. I could have drawn in, but I scooped to pass, and we both get in, and I ended up getting ninth. So, yeah, that's what happened. But the other thing is the deck you were talking about, the rest, rest in peace helm deck, that I, I really don't like as much anymore with Ren out of the format. So I'll give this card a zero, but I do think that, you know, if somebody were to top eight with that deck, I think that it would have this card in it, so... I completely agree with you, but again, I, I would, if I was betting, and we are because we have a bottle of Jameson on the line, I'm uh, I'm also going to take the zero. Cool. All right, tier five. These are cards that people have, other people have said that they're going to see play. I I don't love it, like them really. Kuntnos Hound of something. One white and a black for a three three vigilance menace lifelink graft digger's cage. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, you gotta be playing Dead Guy. Or and Junk, no, or whatever. Nobody plays Dead... Okay, sorry. Or Esper. D- DJ will play this card. Yeah. You you might consider it in Esper. No, actually, you wouldn't You wouldn't ever consider this. You're I, better than nah, that. I wouldn't play this guy. I mean, so, Containment Priest, you know, just sort of... Yeah. six is the... I just like... I think, I think it's a good rate. But I don't think this is a card that's strong enough to say, like, yeah, I'm going to slam this 3-3 creature in my sideboard. Or, like, I'm going to play black-white and play it main deck. Like, it doesn't work like that. If this card just was green-black-white, I would probably pick it for one because you could Zenith for it as as Graveyard 8, right? But it's not that, so... No, it's not. But there's going to be somebody that plays, like, a a dead guy with... um, with chrome mocks and this is a beater yeah. and it's going to be the same person that always plays those uh those type of decks on moto we're going to talk about it in a deck dump oh of course but it's oh not, definitely it's in a deck. A this card is definitely gonna be a deck dump 100 yep. percent. eidolon of obstruction it's a thalia except instead of taxing all non-creature spells it taxes your opponent's planeswalker activations yeah for some reason in the past month on the MTG Legacy subreddit, this is the top voted spoiler card. It's not. It's not like if your opponent already has a Planeswalker in play and you're looking for the one man attacks on activations to like make a big deal, uh, it's not going to. And it like, doesn't make the what? Planeswalkers cost more. It. I mean, this, this, card's, this card's bad. It's really pretty bad. And like... Which Planeswalker exactly can you not just pay one and deal with this, right? Like, if this were really such a threat, then you just make it an elk or whatever for one mana, right? Or you, you know, bounce it with for one mana or make you sack a creature for one mana or hit it with last hope for right. one mana. I mean, like, like it, this, this, let's say your opponent has a Jason play, right? It, it makes their brainstorm cost one. Yeah, it's, it's oh. really... Oh, no. It, it sucks that it's an asymmetrical lock piece, quote-unquote lock piece. But I see what they were trying to do. 
this is their first pass. Eventually they'll get there. I would not put this card in the deck. Absolutely not. Yeah, if they were if they were trying to make a Thalia esque sort of white hate bear for planeswalkers, they they didn't they weren't aggressive enough with the ability for this card. And they probably wanted to shoot under or it was tuned for a different format, but this ain't what you want to be doing in Legacy. Yeah. I mean just fucking just put it on casting planeswalkers and then it would actually be a lot more relevant for DNT, because you're not usually playing planeswalkers in that deck, you know? So it would be you wouldn't have to make it one sided. It would deck building. It would be one sided, right? I mean, you're playing Gideon in the sideboard, but like that I, that card's never going to make it into that deck anyway, so we don't yeah. have to worry about it. All right. So this next card's actually kind of interesting. For uh, Rika's Libations, two and a black instant. It's a charm. You can either have them sack a creature or sack an enchantment. So this is black enchantment removal for the first time. Okay. First time I can think of, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, would you even want to play this if you were mono-black? I'm trying to think about which enchantments that they're really worried about. It's not like, like a mono-black deck's going to care about Blood Moon or something, right? No. So let's say you were playing Pox. Right. Are there any any decks that you're like, oh, that enchantment I just can't beat, and they play it, and the game's over? I, I don't I don't think there are any. I don't know if they could beat a Bitter Blossom, but I don't know okay. how worried they are about it. It's true. I I could see this card if you're playing Pox. I could definitely see this card being a one up in the sideboard, but I don't think that a Pox deck's going to top eight a challenge. So. Also, samezies. So yeah. Maybe but, maybe when we do this next time, we can start with the reverse tiers and get these all banged out really quick because yeah. like it's just going to be zero 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 zero, and then we can creep into the yeah. good stuff. All right. Well, this one, whirlwind denial, two in a blue. You know this card? Oh, this is the the flusterstorm. Yeah. So every spell and ability your opponent controls gets. Four mana mana leaked. I like this card. Me too. I actually bro. actually like this card. I think of how the stacks on Legacy <laughs> actually go and like the dream of being able to hit like a, a like like a mana leak your opponent's fetch land and counter as well at the same time gives me a little bit of a chubby. Bro, exactly. Like doing crazy shit with their fetch on the stack and if they get involved and you're gonna just two for two for zero them. Like this card, I, I'm definitely going to be playing it to, to see how good it is. You know, like, I, I'm going to try to make shit happen. Because we both love playing Stifle, right? Mm-hmm. And this has all the upside of, of main decking Stifle without that cost of, like, Stifle does literally nothing against Eldrazi or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, th- this could still just be a, a bad mana leak. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's... That's what it is. It's put together, and the mana cost is obviously three, which... I mean, it's not it's not optimal, but if I was taking a look at the new cards coming out of this set week one or two, and I was playing some like, I don't know, some Bant deck, I would throw one of these in there just because I would want to cast it. Oh fuck yeah, dude! So it, it, you could just like you know that time when you're thinking like, oh man, what could my opponent have? You can get blown out so badly by this card, potentially. Like, if you're not yeah. thinking about it. 
So that's why I'm going to give this card a one. I I would also I would also say that my target would be like exactly one. All right. But okay. So, but for the sake of the bet, I will take the over. Ooh. I will take the over on one because I think I'm going to win all the earlier ones we called. <laughs> So I, I'm willing to sacrifice that one because I like this card a lot. All right. So Perforos, four and a red for an enchantment creature god thing with a two red sneak attack. Wait. It itself has a two red sneak attack, right? Yeah, you can pay two and a red to sneak attack something. Yeah. I um. I don't like it. I think... Yeah, I just I'm not I'm not about having extra copies of sneak attack. I think you're already so sort of really redundant in that deck, and it's it's probably not going to see play. Jerry will play it. <laughs> or a limited Grand Prix, I guess. Yes. So the uh, yeah, I- I'm with you on that. I do think. Uh, I mean, through the breach, right? Is you just play through the breach over this card, right? Uh, if if yeah, you're looking I mean, for like a, a fifth sneak attack or whatever. Yes. All right. So the Elspeth Planeswalker, I I didn't see any situation for this card. Do you do you want to talk about it? No. Okay. It's like history of Benalia. Yeah, basically. I. Yeah, I mean it's it's nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. This cycle remember, of cards... Sorry, sidetrack. Remember when 4-mana Elspeth was like one of the best Planeswalkers in Legacy? Yeah, I do. Yep. That, I, miss, I miss those days. Yeah. You get it's, to like... It's really jump, not a bad card, yeah. Jump your Vendillion click. I jumped, I jumped my own Vendillion click, so my opponent couldn't steal it with a... Um, uh, what's the blue, the blue artifact... Of the Dalkin Shackles? Yeah, so he couldn't Shackles it. So nice. I jumped it jumped it to push it out of Shackles range, and then I equipped my sword to it, and he tried to Shackles it. And I was like, no, so this is this gets plus three, plus three. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> and he was like, ah. Oh. So that's like that was Legacy back in the day. Sick. So there's a cycle of cards called the Interventions that I hadn't seen anybody discuss. Maybe people are discussing it elsewhere, but I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Heliod's Intervention, X white white instant, destroy X target artifacts or enchantments, or target player gains 2X life. So it's a bad life gain spell if you need it, but basically it's XWW, destroy X enchantments or artifacts. I felt like that was interesting, man. Like, for nobody to be discussing it, maybe there's just like a a better card out there, like a, a white Shatterstorm that I don't know about, but seemed like it deserved at least discussion i just i think that in the white xx casting cost you probably don't need that effect if you're playing like a blue base snapcaster deck you have counter spells and disenchant effects and snapcaster mage uh i I don't see death and taxes trying to play trying to play a card like this where because you have thalia right and like where where else do you fit a, a double white card yeah, no, it would pretty much be, just be death and taxes, but I, I wouldn't, 
I guess uh, I would have to talk to Death and Taxes players because I don't know like any troublesome artifact matchups they might have. But no, I I also yeah. So X Green Green. This is uh, Nylea's intervention. It's a sorcery. X Green Green. Search your library for X lands and put them in your hand or two X Hurricane. So deal X do deal two X damage to all flying creatures. So for one Green Green, kill all the Delvers. Or whatever, you know, Bear Blossom Tokens, Brazen Borrowers, whatever there is flying around. Yep. Or for, you know, two green green or whatever, tutor for two lands. This card seems seems reasonable to me in like lands or even like a slow version of depths. Yeah, I think the land the land tutoring. Oh, so it's X green green sorcery. Search your library for X lands and put them in your hand. Or 2x Hurricane. Yep. So I think the 2x Hurricane, I, I mean, it, it's nice it's there, but you're probably never going to use it. Right, but it's, it's better than not having it. You're, you're right. It is better than not having it. I feel like in a deck like Elves, maybe you get to play, you get to play like a 3-mana get a Gaia's Cradle. Cradle. Uh, maybe you get to play some utility lands out of the sideboard to like, to get with this i don't think it's what you want to be doing i think it's really just like an edh an edh card that allows you to go get your fancy lands oh it's it's definitely an edh card yeah but i i wouldn't be like i mean what about just straight lands like you don't think that they would be interested in this card potentially no i think that lands is going to be using its mana like to too efficiently to be able to take a turn to stop loaming and recurring punishing fire or porting or whatever they're gonna be doing yeah to to take a turn off to play into like a spell piercer or a daze with this card yeah true so the blue one is thassa's intervention x blue blue instant uh look at the top x cards of your library and put up to two of them into your hand or power sync for 2x. So uh, if you paid one blue blue, it would be, you know, pierce something. Or two blue blue would be four mana tax on, on a spell. So it's a it's a, a leaky counter spell or a dig through time. But if you're paying two blue blue, it's just, it's just divination, like instant speed divination. But if you're playing seven blue blue, it's dig through time. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's just not man efficient enough. I'm gonna go one on this card for for Truckus for our boy. Oh, okay, and he he actually will top eight a challenge too. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm gonna let you have that. I'm gonna go zero, All right. and I'm gonna apologize in advance to Marcus because I I, just... I, 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 I I don't believe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean instant speed, you know, whatever. This card, this card's a low opportunity cost because you're probably gonna be able to get rid of it. So I think someone will fuck around with it. Okay. Treacherous blessing. I I don't like this card, but it's two and a black for an enchantment, and when it enters the battlefield, draw three. You lose one life every time you cast a spell, and when it becomes the target of the spell or ability, sacrifice it. So they don't want you blanking it, basically. Ah, uh, three. I mean. We we've seen three mana draw threes. Yeah, like obviously a deck like, like Grixis would just play something like that. Yeah, right. 
So I, I don't know what Shell would want this that wouldn't be able to play Painful Truths. Yeah, I don't like this guy. This is zero for me, but I thought it was interesting. Okay. I, I also agree that it's interesting. I think it will be a zero, though. All right. The last card, the second to last card, because the last card I have my special thing, but Madame's Prophecy is one of those sagas. It's one in a blue. Mm-hmm. So when it comes into play, you scry two. Then the next turn, you just name a card. Then the following turn, so T plus two, draw two if you cast the card that you named the previous turn. And the fourth turn is look at the top card of both libraries and sacrifice it. Yeah, it does a, it does a lot of things. It really does. Like for one in a blue... It's it's basically like a draw to a, a scratch is like a read the bones like a scry to draw to, and you know you get the benefit of looking at the top card of both libraries at the end, which is basically nothing. But yeah, but, uh, it just seems like a lot of value, right? It is, but can you can you spend that two mana? Probably. Do you not. know that you're going to have a guaranteed like sorcery speed play, or play? Maybe there's some things where you can like. Uh, you can play it and name spell pierce and then if your opponent doesn't like thinks that you have a spell pierce and doesn't play into it when you didn't have one i don't know yeah but then you don't get to draw two you're right so yeah it's it's kind of like i don't see it getting there but i do think when i was looking at the spoiler like by the end of it i was like man i wonder if there's a blue green enchantress deck out there now that would play like weird shit like this well, I mean, you could definitely make the mana work, but I think losing maybe Bant Enchantress because there's so much good white stuff. You want to be able to tutor for your Emrakul. You, yeah. So I yeah. don't know, maybe. But yeah, did you see the seven cost saga, the one that's like make an eight eight and then yes, tap yeah. all your opponent's shit and it doesn't untap and then steal your opponent's shit. Yeah, that was like how sick. bad does it feel to have that played against you in limited? I know you're oh, going to be God. playing a little bit of this format. Yeah, that's like... Uh, there have been a couple cards like that in the past. Like the Kraken, I forget what it was called. But basically just like eight blue mana win the game cards. Yeah, it's going to be disgusting. I think it's just a rare, too. I thought it was Mythic. Oh, I hope it's Mythic, yeah. So the last card... I didn't see anybody talking about this card. But this is my hill to die on. Omen of the Sea... It's a one blue enchantment. It's part of a cycle, but only the blue one I liked. It has flash, so it's one in a blue with flash. And when it enters the battlefield, preordain. So, you know, scry two, draw. And you can pay two in a blue, sack it to scry two, which is how the cycle works. The reason I like this card is for blue stompy, because when you look at these, like, preordain, ponder, brainstorm, and you're like, oh, I want to play a Stompy Shell in blue, you're giving up all those cards, right? The reason I like this card is because you can play it in a Chalice deck, right? And there's a specific <laughs> there's a specific Chalice deck that Truckus and I had worked on a while back, which is Sapphire Medallion Stompy, with all the adventure creatures from the new set. From, uh, sorry, Eldraine, I should say. And this card was the missing piece, so I'm definitely going to be playing this card online. And I'm going to give it a 1. I'm... I'm at a loss for words. 
<laughs> I think if you want to take good cards and add mana cost to them, you can definitely find other things in the world that uh, that would be better than this. Bro, it's really but, hard. It's really hard. Like, there's no two mana brainstorm. You have impulse. You have impulse, which is yeah, just not brainstorm. I mean, you're, okay, you're calling this brainstorm. No, I'm calling this preordain. For okay, I would you for the same mana cost? Would you rather preordain or impulse? I'd rather brainstorm. Yeah, but <laughs> you can't have brainstorm. There is none. I I I think. I think that if you, I, I'm taking a zero. I want to let everybody know. I'm I'm definitely taking a zero. I am but, playing impulse in the deck, by the way. Okay, yeah, I would I would 100% rather play four impulses before I played a single copy of this card. Yeah, so four impulses and four omen of the seas. That's my spell suite in my <laughs> sapphire stompy deck. I I hope you get there because <laughs> it's gonna be you, and it has it it can only be you. <laughs> I hope someone out there is thinking about this card too because I think it's sweet. I, I, I wanted this card for so long and then I saw it and it's so beautiful to me. It's got wonderful CGI ocean monster art. <sighs> yeah. Actually, there's one other card. Was, was there any cards that I missed that you wanted to talk about? Uh, No. I I think that you hit the cards that I wanted to talk about and then many more. <laughs> Are you have Mythic Spoiler open right now? No, I don't. Alright. Well, maybe you can just like Google this card or something. It's called... Let's see. Oh, you didn't want to talk about the, the Mare Folk? No. We, we, we talked a little bit about that last we did, week. I've, yeah. come, I've come to the realization that it's bad. And I never should have brought it up in the first place. I just thought that it was a cute card. I like the design. How about that? Fair enough. So, hold on. You're going to have to cut this long break while I try to find this card that I didn't write down the name of. What's it do? It's a blue card. It's a 2-3 creature. And when it enters the battlefield, you make a 3-2 token. And as long as the 3-2 token is in play... The 2-3 doesn't untap. Okay. Illyrios Enraptured. So it's 2 and a blue for a 2-3. Enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, uh, create a 3-2 reflection token. And during your untap step, if you control a reflection, it doesn't untap. So, basically, he's looking into the pool at his own reflection. And the reason I brought this card up is because the flavor text is, Tom, what are you still doing in the bathroom? Alyssa smiling. How, how are you in my house? Do you live in my house? <laughs> All right, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. All right. <laughs> Was that was that the big ending that you had in mind? I'm sorry if I ruined your big ending with uh yep, that's exactly what happens over here. Why are you still on the toilet? She's almost at the point where like I can't bring my phone into the bathroom anymore 
I guess it goes back to the, would your life be better without a smartphone? I would 100% spend less time in the bathroom without a smartphone. 